The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. And a happy Thursday, January 24th to you folks, and welcome to the Multimedia Café. Thank you for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation. My name is Jason Spies, I'm your host, and... As I've mentioned before in this program, but if it's the first time you're joining us, the Multimedia Cafe, it's a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what topic you're going to talk about. Also, it's we embrace the multimedia part of it. So we might talk to you face-to-face or over the phone or maybe over Skype. There's a bunch of different ways that you can talk to people in today's day and age. Or like I joke, maybe I joke, maybe it's true life, who knows. Like I'm saying, there's a lot of ways you can ignore people now. I mean, you know, if you ask out that nice barista working down at the coffee shop, well, maybe she's ignoring you over Facebook and Twitter, and maybe she's ignoring you over LinkedIn and over the phone and the texts and all kinds of different ways for them to ignore you these days. Okay, how about we just talk about what's going on in today's program? Let's look at that, huh? You know, the multimedia cafe. All right, let's take a look at it. You know, the world of esports has really gotten off. I mean, you've got the esports arena in Vegas, down in Dallas. They hold these huge events there. And the colleges, like Jamestown, University of Jamestown in North Dakota, has a esports team. They play against Boise State and a number of other big name schools, Division One, all the way down to Division Three. There's 71 of them total. Might be a few more now, but I think it was 71 was the number that we were talking about at the time of the interview. And so, really, when you think about it, that is a growing industry. And also, they're talking about esports teams in high school now. So, if some of you people are appalled at the way the world of the video games is increasing more and more in our children's lives, well, guess what? It's going into high schools soon. If they're talking about it, and the video game companies will absolutely give monies to the high schools if that means that they can have esports teams. Think about that. They can launch a video game through a high school sports. Absolutely, they'll do that. Just like Pepsi, just like Coke, just like the uh, soft drinks did. They gave a bunch of money to the high schools. Pretty soon, you had uh, uh, soda machines right in the high school. You know, I mean, there's enough science on sugar and teeth and all that other stuff, but the high schools ignored that because they were able to get money. And I see the world of video games going along the same way. I bet you by 2021, in two years, uh, there will be high school esports teams. Meaning, instead of playing football, you'll join a esports team that'll play Madden football. That's the real world that we're living in, folks. So, <clears throat> either you can fight the buck the system, fight it, or you can sit back and enjoy the ride here at the multimedia cafe we're not much into judgment we like to just talk about things we like to have a conversation we don't get too mad we don't get too irate the blood doesn't boil too much we like to just find out what the heck is going on because you know honestly it's a busy busy world out there and if we can hear at the multimedia cafe 
be part of your eyes and ears to help you navigate the world. Hey, man, that's all we want to do. We just want to give you some information, some cutting edge things, some topics nobody's talking about. I mean, that's the reality of this is that we like to talk about things no one's talking about. So eSports it is today. Okay, Josh Knutson, he's the head coach at the University of Jamestown, and he's got a lot to say about eSports. And then we talk with Blue Weber with Art Nest ND, and he talks about how artists contribute to the local economies and how the internet and social media has really allowed them to compete globally. So internet's been a godsend for artists in terms of getting their uh, art exposed to the world. So talk about that, talk about eSports. I imagine a few other topics will come up between now and the end of the program. So I see the clock and I better pay attention to that clock. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. We're gonna continue the Multimedia Cafe. And what do we got? We've got Josh Knutson. He's up first. Do you like that stall I had there? Because I had to hit 10 seconds and I had to uh, correct myself. So that's what happens when you record this stuff live. Oh, all right. Josh Knutson coming up next right here on the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Hello, my name is Otis with Kids and Capitalism Kidcast, and today we're here with Harold Hamm, President of Continental Resources, and we're going to ask him a few questions. Uh, what was your first job, Mr. Hamm? Well, I grew up on a farm, so I grew up milking cows and uh, uh, feeding animals and all right. doing all those things, and also pulling cotton. Uh, so that, that was a job we got paid for. Uh, so anyway, that was, that was one of the jobs as a very young man that... that as able to do. All right. Uh, why is the energy industry a safe place or a good place for young entrepreneurs? Well, there's a lot of opportunity in the energy industry, uh, particularly uh, oil and gas. And uh, so anyway, it's something that intrigued me as a young person. Actually, I, I got intrigued in high school uh, and decided that I want to be a petroleum geologist. And so that's what I worked hard to accomplish. 
Uh, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs like myself? Find something that you're passionate, that you care about, and uh, perhaps uh, talented to do, and that you like to do. Uh, find something that really means something to you. And number one, I think, is get an education. You know, make sure that uh, you develop your mind and, and your abilities uh, to do a job. And But find something you like to do and pursue it. All right. Don't let anything get in the way. All right. Uh, one more question. My great-grandpa and grandma are from uh, Enid. Can you tell us what it's like there? Oh, Enid's a great place. It's much like Bismarck. You know, it's a town of 50,000 people. Uh, it's got wonderful people, wonderful work ethics. What's your uh, uh, grandparents' name? My grandparents' name? I don't know. I never really got introduced to them. They died before I was born, so. Oh, they died before you were born. Yeah. Oh, I see. I never really got their name. <laughs> yeah, well, Spice uh, is a common name in Oklahoma. It is? It is. So you may have more uh, friends and family there <laughs> than you're aware of. So, yes, uh, I know some Spice in the oil and gas business. Well, that concludes our interview. Thank you very much for taking that time out of your day uh, to, to do an interview with me. I appreciate it very much. You bet. Uh, yeah. Thank right. you. Thanks, sir. Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host today, and thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation. All right, we're going to get right into the interview with the head coach of Jamestown, actually the University of Jamestown. They used to be Jamestown University, but they switched it in the last, I think, five years or so. Uh, University of Jamestown, Josh Knutson, head coach for the esports team, right here on the Multimedia Cafe. This is Josh Knutson. Josh Knutson, I'm the head eSports coach at the University of Jamestown. Head eSports, so we better make sure people understand. It's two words, head, 
And then esports is another word. So let's start off by just just definition of what esports is, because a lot of people don't know what that is these days. So esports uh, essentially uh, is the highest level of competitive video game. Um, so we, we play a variety of different games uh, at the collegiate level, and uh, esports in general is just competitive video gaming. So this is kind of a dumb question, I understand, but um, NDSU, for example, North Dakota State, used to have a club hockey team. I think soccer was club for a while. Are you guys sanctioned by the university? Are you club? Are you in that purgatory area that some of the club sports are? <laughs> yeah, you know, we we function as a, a club team at the University of Jamestown, but we're governed by the National Association of Collegiate Esports. So we're kind of in the middle where we're, uh, the abbreviation for that is NACE. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we function as a varsity sport under NACE uh, at the club level at the University of Jamestown, treated like a varsity sport. National esports. Okay, do you guys have divisions? So, like, are you in a uh, a Great Heartland or Upper America division or something? So, right now, uh, the National Association of Collegiate Esports, it's just one big group of of schools right now. Um, Like, the the divisions and conference alignment is coming hopefully in this next year. Uh, There's 71 other schools across the country. So, we've played uh, Boise State University all the way down to Indiana Tech and Georgia Southern. Um, so it, and it, it's a great group of like-minded universities that want to legitimize esports, and um, it, it's been a great thing to be a part of that. How's that going? Legitimizing esports. Uh, I, you know, I'm a parent. I've got a now 12-year-old. Gaming is one of those things that I have a hard time with because you know the screen time, this and that. Well, then I started seeing some of the social aspects, and so I've come around, is what I'm getting at. But at the same time, there's still the old, you know that. Parenting will never go away with the screen time. Okay, now we're introducing colleges. Las Vegas just opened up an esports arena on the Strip last month. This is legit. So um, just talk to me about the evolution of the gaming and the whole parental thing and all that. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a stigma with gaming. And part of the reason why we have a team is to kind of break that stigma and, and, and break those barriers. Um, you know, we want at Jamestown to, to make esports just like football, basketball, or any of the other sports. We want it to be legitimate, and we want it to be done right. Um, and, you know, as far as, like, parenting and being concerned about how much your, your child is playing, um, you know, we look at the benefits of building communication skills. Teamwork is huge. The interpersonal relationships that you form with your team, uh, we're finding that the benefits highly outweigh any concerns. Uh, and a lot of times parents have some pretty good buy-in. You know, it, it's something to, to say that when you have a parent and you actually show them what we're all about, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we have a, a gaming team, an esports team. Uh, but it's another thing to actually bring them to campus, show them what a practice looks like. Because, uh, I mean, we're just like basketball and football and everything else. We have practice five days a week from 6 to 8 p.m. We're, we're doing film reviews and, and game planning uh, and all those things. So it, it's one thing to just say that, hey, we have an esports team. But it's a totally different environment when you actually get down and, and actually look at it to what it, what it actually is. I was going to ask you about the practices and the strategy. Of course, my favorite South Park episode is the World of Warcraft, Make Love Not Warcraft. Yep, that's a classic. Go in the forest and, and kill boars yep, until you yep. get so back to my buddies and I, whatever we have to, you know, 
go back to the mail room or go back start over. All right, let's go kill some boars in the yep. forest. Yep. Uh, what is your practice like? So, you know, to give you an idea of what we do for practice, I'll use the Overwatch team as an example because it's really well built out. We had games on Monday nights against the other schools in our in our association. Tuesday would be a film review, so we record all of our games and we stream all our games. So we'll go back and watch the film from the night before and kind of take a look at what worked right, what went wrong, and kind of talk about how we can fix those issues and build off of the successes. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we'll, we'll get in at 6 o'clock and the guys will do individual practice, work on their individual skills. Um, Thursday, we actually take a day off during the week just to have a study table. So they come down to practice and they work on homework. And then on Fridays, we do you know game prep for our next game on Monday. We'll take a look at the other school. We'll scout them, actually see what they've run in the past and kind of form a, an idea and a strategy and a game plan to how we can beat that. So it's a lot of mental prep beforehand and, and conditioning guys so that when they get into those circumstances, they're ready to respond quickly and effectively. How do you prep? You're a coach. Um, how did you become the coach, first of all? Yeah. And what type of preparation do you have to do? Sure. Um, well, and the story of how I became the coach is kind of you know the story of how we started our program. Uh, we were invited to NACE's summit back in the summer of 2016. And uh, we, we sent a representative from our admissions team down there to be able to um, just see what, what this association was going to turn out to be. Uh, he came back and uh, said, you know, this is something that we should jump on. And the administration saw it as a way to recruit more students that we might not get otherwise. Uh, so they were looking for people who wanted to be involved. And being a younger employee at the university, you know, I was kind of like the natural, like, oh, hey, you know what video games are. Do you want to do this? And I said, heck yes. Uh, and actually, our IT director is the other um, staff person that works with me uh, to help run the program. He's our technical director and handles all of the, the more technical aspects of just running machines and stuff like that. Um, and f- for me... Uh, you know, my, my prep during the week, you know, it varies depending on which game and which season we're in. So Overwatch was in the fall, uh, League of Legends was in the wintertime, and then Hearthstone just wrapped up a couple weeks ago here in the spring. So uh, a lot of my prep during the week is I'll, I'll watch a lot of film. Um, and I, I go and I try and find Twitch streams of the, of the other schools that we're playing and be able to watch and see how, how they did things when they're playing in-game. And then kind of we'll, we'll pull up a scouting report. We actually build one every week, um, depending on, you know, if it's looking at the profiles of the other school, their players, seeing what, what heroes they play, um, kind of their tendencies, what decks they had for Hearthstone, kind of um, building the patterns and just kind of being able to prepare for it. Well, we think they're going to do this, so let's build a game plan for us that kind of will we'll work against it. Um. Do you guys travel, or is this all over the internet? So uh, right now, uh, our entire regular season is—it's uh, online against the other schools. Um, and we'd have to have a pretty massive travel budget oh, no. to be able to go to Boise one week and then the next week go down to Florida. Um, so take that volleyball. Yeah, <laughs> everything is online right now, and then they have postseason tournaments that happen yeah. at at sites. Um, so you put a bid in, and then can host the national championship or like for Hearthstone um, the, the national finals are at Blizzard Arena in Los Angeles um, so the schools that qualify for that get to travel there 
Uh, and this is actually the first um, LAN event that we've went to this year. Um, it's really nice to see some place in North Dakota actually stepping up and and getting a, uh, a tournament like this organized and and having something you know local that we can travel to. Land event. That's in, that, that's lingo because no, the way it just flew off of your tongue. Yeah, it's LAN. It's L A N. Oh. Um, and it's just internet speak. So well, yeah, local area network. Yep, yep. I, I get, actually I interviewed the guy who invented that, Rob Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's living in Kalispell, Montana now. But um, yeah, he actually invented the internet for real. I thought you meant land, oh, like yeah. actual, like physical land, not yeah, the internet crazy ironic world. Ironic for sure, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Mr. Josh Knutson, ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to continue the conversation with Josh Knutson. He's with the University of Jamestown. He's the head coach for their eSports team. And you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. And this is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation. All right, we continue our conversation with Josh Knutson. He's the head coach for the eSports team at the University of Jamestown. This is Josh Knutson. Where's this going? Um, Two-part question. Mm -hmm. Where's the industry going? I think I do know where it's going, but do you actually see Olympics, X Games, that type are, are we talking to that level in the next five to ten years and where are you guys going in terms of scholarships are we going to see uh the niai end up having an esports division the missouri valley football conference going to have a missouri valley overland conference right, yeah yeah so um as far as just the growth in the industry it's it's huge uh at the beginning of the fall there were 20 schools, a part of this national association. It's up to 70 right now, and it'll be at 120 by August. So just the growth at, at the collegiate level is massive. There's been a kind of a, a high school 
level uh, divisions in, in different leagues trying to, to get that stabilized and under one roof. And that's coming along. And, you know, you look at the professional level, you know, Blizzard is sinking millions of dollars into the Overwatch League. There's paid professionals that play for franchise teams uh, and make 50 grand a year for, for players. So I, I think the growth of the industry in five years, every school in the country is going to have something, whether it's a club team or a varsity level program like we do. Um, it, it's just going to keep going. You know, I think the great equalizer is that anybody can be a gamer. You don't have to be six four to be able to, you know, play video games. You can, as long as you have an interest and a passion and want to play. You know, there's a home for you at some level in, in esports, and that's kind of you know the greatest asset that it has for it. And also, you look at the advertising and the marketing and, and all of the other things associated to it. The industry itself is growing and making lots of money, and that's giving opportunities to other you know developers to make new games and, and you know different pro teams to start, and also at the high school and collegiate level for programs to start. Uh, and for us, you know, we're, we're really blessed to be able to call ourselves one of the first varsity programs uh, and I think it, it only goes up from here. You know, we're already offering scholarships uh, to all of our players that come to University of Jamestown uh, and that will continue to continue to grow and be able to expand our roster and hopefully um, just, just keep plugging away with the other schools and try and be a leader and a, a role model for other schools that want to add varsity programs. Anytime you got competition, whether it's football, baseball, swimming, poker, there's addictions. Uh, gaming, it's been coming to our light about there might be some of the, whether it be the light addiction or the whatever it might be. You know, and like I said, it's, it's true in football and every other sport. Are you guys having these conversations at all at this point yet? Is this still too new of a... Of a organized sport you as a coach this is not your your responsibility at the end of the day but you are the eyes and the you know the ears to be the first response so to speak to be like you know jimmy hasn't left his chair for 14 straight hours yeah you know we're, we're in a unique situation to where you know like our, our student athletes they have class to go to mm-hmm. um we take a day off during the week our thursday practice they come and they actually just do homework at practice they don't turn on a machine at all so we have a study table that breaks up the week and kind of uh, helps you know everything is good in moderation mm-hmm. and it's just like you know football players there's risk of physical injury for esports athletes it's the same thing you know you're worried about eye strain and carpal tunnel and stuff like that and it's it's just important to remember that you know you don't have to sit at your chair for like 14 hours yeah. straight it's uh, you know we do stress that it's important to take care of your body in in all aspects uh, and esports practice is a great way to help pay for school help get an education and, and thrive in a competitive environment but uh, we definitely make sure that we're taking care of our bodies and and uh, you know making sure that things don't go too far I love it I think it's great and I love the fact that at least there's some pre- prevention talk going on because it took a long time for the NFL to realize oh maybe we should have helmets you know, I mean, it's just the evolution of just anything new to have any sort of preventative discussions is, is positive. So I'm glad that you guys are at least doing that. Uh, what do you want people to know? And just kind of final thoughts, uh, whether it's from your profession, whether it's from your, your uh, industry, whether it's the direction of it. Just what, what do you want people to leave this interview about esports and that sort of thing? 
You know, I think one of the big things that we're trying to work on is, you know, when you think of a gamer and somebody that plays video games, you know, kind of for a living, you know, depending on your circumstances, there's this stigma about what a gamer is. You know, it's the guy sitting in his basement covered in Cheeto dust, you know, playing you know, a, a game for 24 hours straight. And, you know, if you take a look at our collegiate team, it's vastly, you know, all the way across the spectrum. You know, we've got guys that are multi-sport athletes on the track team, the hockey team, the football team that are playing for us. You know, guys that you would not think are gamers. Uh, and we're just trying to break the stigma that, you know, an e-sport athlete is an actual athlete. Just because we don't have a ball or, or play on a court doesn't mean that they're not working hard and they're not putting in as much dedication as any other traditional athlete. And I think we're just trying to legitimize esports and, and bring it to everybody's mind when they think of, of traditional sports. And, um, you know, it, it, if anything, it just shows that esports is, is a unifying thing and that everybody can be a part of it. And uh, I just hope that people understand that, you know, these guys are working as hard as they are, and it, it's not the traditional like gamer stereotype. And we're we're trying to break that. So. Thank you, sir. Appreciate no, well, thank that. you, yeah. thank you. And that was Josh Knutson, the head coach of the esports team at the University of Jamestown. Thank you very much, Josh Knutson. Okay, we're going to continue on here at the Multimedia Cafe. Coming up next, we got Blue Weber. He's a co-founder with Artnest ND. We talk about local artists and how they contribute to not only local economy but because of the internet. They now have a global marketplace. Little artist talk coming up next. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. People started talking just to hear their own voice. Those people tried to accuse my father, said he made the wrong choice. Though it might be painful, you know the time will always tell. Those people have long since gone, my father never failed. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes. I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the earth crumbles under my feet Even when the ones I love Turn around and crucify me I won't ever ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall I won't fall as long as you're around me Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising 
when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Christy Huber, president of the United Way of Cass Clay, says about Hatch coaching. One of the best things I can share is I've had an opportunity to sit down with a community leader and Eric. And we were talking and this community leader said, you know, United Way, what's your connection there? And Eric said, you know, as a child, my family would have been a family that would have benefited from United Way programming. And you don't necessarily get to see that down the road because you see someone who's been very successful in business and you see somebody who has um, helped a lot of other people along the way, but sometimes we don't stop to ask, you know, what's, what's the why? What's your why behind that? To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. I'm your host, and thank you folks for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation, and choosing us as part of your content here on this lovely, lovely, lovely January 24th. It's a Thursday today. Okay. Blue Weber, that's who's up next, is the co-founder of Artnest ND. And what do you know? You know what? Multimedia Cafe, you never know who you're going to bump into or what topic you're going to talk about. And right now, it's artist talk, a little local economy and national economy and internet and social media, all that stuff wrapped into it. Blue Weber, Artnest ND. Uh, my name is Blue Weber. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Art Nest ND, which is an art organization uh, here in downtown that advocates for local artists and tries to get them in paired with other businesses. And then we uh, feature them in galleries around town, as well as working towards a location uh, to let those artists, artists create their own art downtown in a studio. Outstanding, and uh, thanks for joining us here today. A uh, big fan of the arts we are here. In fact, our uh, bumper music is singer-songwriters that we have in our programs, and we do that to try to help promote the musicians the best way we can. I mean, what better way than over an audio format for musicians? Um, how has the art community been over the last, say, just say decade? Um, and we'll start with hundreds and hundreds of years ago when the economy was actually based on art, the Renaissance era. Yeah. There was a time when we actually cherished art so much is what it's what drove our economy. Now it's getting left out of education with STEM education. Some are STEAM, mm -hmm. but do you see what I mean to where I so, exactly yeah. what you so mean. talk to me about the world of art, either from the educational or from the business standpoint. 
So uh, one thing that I, so kind of to put it into a weird way, I love Grand Forks because it has so much opportunity. And when I say opportunity, I don't even think of it as like the business folks and the people who live in this area and young professionals, but also the artists have an opportunity here to have some say in how it's growing. And I think, at least I feel like with my generation, we're starting to put a lot more value in art. We're starting to step away from the Walmarts and the Targets and the big box stores and really get back into our like main streets and our main street initiative. And I think that with this art revitalization, especially here in this community, it's going to bring that out of a lot of people. It's making those artists actually be wanting to be wanted more in the community, and the community is supporting them a lot more. So I think it's finally getting to see some involvement. Uh, the 701's been great at letting us basically set up the gallery in here. We have about five other galleries and downtown businesses that we set up bi-monthly, uh, and then we also hold events, so next weekend is going to be our art opening for this event. So we'll have three artists in here with all the businesses that they pair with. Uh, like you said, music always goes well with art. So we'll have some musicians in here, and then we have a local brewery that'll be serving some beers. Uh, I love that I get to live in a community where not only are these artists celebrated, but we also get to go out and meet them that easily. It, it, they're not out of reach. We have people, Dave Badman owns an art gallery across the street, and Dave is a very prolific big metal worker, works a lot with brass, and he does a really good job of working with the younger artists, the newer up-and-coming artists, to kind of get them involved in public art as well. So I'm happy to see <laughs> that you guys have a, a physical location, which is a very difficult thing for a lot of artists to get into. And, you know, like Chinese Lanterns, Barbara Benda Nagel, $325, and then her website is there. That has been more and more common over the last decade again. I, I started seeing them in very select places 10 years ago. And, of course, as a lot of, um, even I would even say some chain coffee shops, let alone the uh, local ones, started doing that too, where it's a great way for them either to save money by putting art on the wall. Makes it look a lot better. It makes it, but, but it's, it's a, it's a win-win because the artist gets exposure. And then what I wanted to ask you is, are they actually selling this art or is it more for the exposure or, I mean, you know what I mean? Do, do some people sell it or is it just more for the exposure? Um, I think it also depends on which artist we're talking about. We have some artists who, I, I know a couple artists who overvalue their work because their goal isn't to sell it. Their goal is to create it and have it there as a visual aspect. And so if they sell it, not only is that a bonus for them, but then it's like, holy crap, this meant a lot more to somebody else. While we have some artists who are really good at being able to pump out a million pieces, and they're, I, I always consider them event artists. So my background before Art Nest was actually running an event here in town called Alley Alive. And we held it in the alleyway. We would have about 20 to 25 artists who would come out and sell their art. We'd have music in different pockets of the alleyway. And then we'd have food trucks. And my favorite thing, and the reason why we started Art Nest, is because of the success of Alley Alive and that we got to see this awesome activation of art in our alleyway systems. We did a giant event where we brought out these artists, some of the artists who don't paint to sell, but paint really to showcase their work, would come out and paint these dumpsters for us. So if you drive down the alleyway back there, you can still see these dumpsters that are painted as beautiful murals all the way wrapped around. And it kind of looks like the business corridors of Bismarck, which hopefully we'll eventually get to just because I think that's another way that we can celebrate those artists. One of the things that um, when I was in college, we didn't really have the internet. We did, but it was not that popular. I mean, I think I 
me and six other people from my class of Fargo North had an email account. That was it. Like, no, no one else really did, you know. And one of them worked for the UN, so she was way ahead of the time. But um, artists had a really a difficult go because not even a lot of the bars were even hiring musicians. So it was not uncommon for somebody to, like, play with a bucket in front of them as a oh, yeah. way to get money. Um, so there, there, there wasn't a very burgeoning art scene, I guess, with what you are doing and a lot of the other young professionals with the alley fairs or the, or the art fests and the resurgence of the farmer's markets and these types of things, coffee shops and um, spaces in downtown trying to resurge internet, uh, the art scene. How much has the internet helped you guys? Um, because, yeah, I mean, we didn't have that back then, but now with Etsy and some of these other the individual artists have platforms like they've never had before. It, it does good and bad things, obviously. <laughs> right. Because then what it does is it kind of like devalues art. It makes it so people go, oh, why should I buy some art here when I can literally go home and print it off and find these huge name artists and find their things just on Google Images. So it devalues art in that, but I think it also does, it changes the way that we appreciate art here in the physical sense because... If for a weird example, uh, last year was the very first time that uh, record sales had beat out download and online sales of music in about 15 years because people want records. It's not necessarily about the sound quality now. It's about having that physical piece. And I think that's one of the values of art and especially art, like you were saying, in coffee shops and bars, things like that, that now people feel that it means something more, that it's not just a window that we're being able to look into, that black mirror. Now it actually means something that you can own and you have it that, that has value and also has a very good emotional value for yourself. And so it's been nice being in a community that be, is able to support those people and sell their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never thought of it from that side of the internet before. I was always looked at it from the customization side that... Well, <laughs> and, and, and I guess the good side of all that, social media has made it so we're able to reach hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. with Grand Forks artists, where usually they, even during an event, they're maybe seeing 8,000 people in a day. Maybe after a month, they're only able to see 10,000 people. With this online capability and for us to get the followers and be able to showcase these people online, it changes that way to be able to view art. And I, I always talk about, especially here in town, that the product that we make in Grand Forks isn't just the things that we sell to our residents, but it's also what we can create online and that content that we can sell. Because if people are, I, I, like you were saying, music is also changing in that sense. If you watch Tiny Desk Concert, for example, hundreds of thousands of people watch NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts, even though nobody goes to that location. Mm -hmm. It's not a giant concert. It's just this digital product that's being sold. And everybody wants a piece of that. And so being able to have such a good, strong online presence also helps being able to reach out to that many people. And that was Blue Weber, the co-founder of Artnest ND. I'd like to thank Mr. Blue Weber for joining the conversation today, as well as Josh Knudsen, the head coach of the eSports team at the University of Jamestown. We're up against clock already, so we're going to have to say goodbye, and thank you once again to our guests. We'll be back tomorrow with more guests and more awesome topics on the Multimedia Cafe. From the staff of the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Go down the hobos and hanging around.
in the muddy and the leaves are getting damp. Gonna catch me a freight train to leave this town. Cause the down the hobo to the hanging around. Dole down the hobo to the hanging around. Case of case, it was a good engineer. Told the brakeman not to fear. Pour on the water, shovel on the coal. Stick your head out the window, see my driver's roll. Stick your head out the window, see my driver's roll. One more time. Let's pull it all in that railroad station out here and I see Fargo coming up. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 